This is Transistor.fm. Hey folks, Alitu.com polishes brands and publishes your podcast automatically. They've just released recording right within the app. You can upload your normal recording from Skype or whatever, uh, but you can also record it all right there in the web app. Uh, it's a great service. I highly recommend it for anyone producing podcasts, uh, especially if you're putting your podcast on Transistor. Alitu.com. Tell them that we sent you. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I'm a product and marketing guy. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. Happy Monday, John. Happy Monday. How are you doing? Uh, well, we were just talking about how we're really doing. If we recorded the part of the show where we talk about how we're really doing, um, <laughs> uh, we got some great feedback from the last episode, actually, and we do want to include more of that, that stuff that you know maybe we wouldn't put in a show. Um, today, we're going to be talking about two things, I think. Uh, later on, we'll talk about this Spotify deal. Uh, Spotify is rumored to be talking to Gimlet about acquiring them. Uh, but I thought to start, because we'd had so much feedback about, you know, share us more about the journey, I put a new section in called, what are you thinking about struggling with right now? <laughs> it's a good one. It's some Monday morning therapy. Monday morning therapy. Actually, I like that <laughs> title even better. Uh, yeah. I'm going to call it Monday morning therapy. <laughs> So why don't you start off? How, how are you doing right now in terms of life and work? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been, I would say it's been kind of a struggle lately to juggle life and work, the day job and transistor and trying to move things forward. Um, I guess it, I, I can't put a finger on anything that's really changed recently, uh, you know, as far as like a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just feels like it's kind of a struggle lately to like, I don't know, find like find the time and the energy to really build out features on Transistor, and it just feels like slightly overwhelming. I don't know, I don't know what it is. It's like probably probably just pressure I put on myself to want to get more done mm-hmm. uh, because I do enjoy it. But it's like there's only so many hours a day I can just stare at a screen. Yeah. Um, and it kind of related to that. Uh, I think I was thinking about this yesterday. Like it, it's becoming harder and harder to sort of move quickly and push out new features or change features um, because we have we have a larger customer base now, and it's like people get used to things. You don't want to change too much. You don't want to just like throw in some big changes to some particular workflow without really announcing it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of you know, I feel like every change or feature we make or add is going to just increase support requests at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, it's been, it's been tough to keep up with those and they're to keep up with those requests. And like a lot of those are just questions really. They're not mm-hmm. technical problems or bugs. I mean, some of them are, but a lot of it's just questions that people have about how to get started, which I, which I think we can clear up um, just with, you know, updates to the interface and documentation, but yeah, it's still just like, 
I don't know. It just maybe we're at the just that weird phase where it's like you want to do a lot more than you can possibly fit in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Maybe talk a little bit more about you know, we're at that stage now where we're probably at feature parity with most of our our competitors. Mm-hmm. But now comes the time where we want to differentiate. Yeah. And we have ideas around that, but for you as the primary engineer, yeah. That's that it's got to be a struggle cuz the 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 weight of that is you know, I'm going to be helping with wireframing and prototyping and mm-hmm. you know, collecting all that customer research in one spot, but eventually someone's got to you know, get into the backhoe and move a bunch of dirt. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we have a backhoe right now. We might have a shovel. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Bootstrappers, bootstrappers are moving that dirt with shovels. <laughs> um, yeah, and likewise about you know differentiating ourselves, but also going back and sort of updating or finishing some of the some of the features we sort of started and are, for lack of a better term, like half finished, mm-hmm. like the website builder. Right? It's really bare bones and people are like how do i customize this how do i there's so you could go down so many other paths to like building out this really highly customizable website builder and yeah i don't think we necessarily need to do that but like that's one feature that needs a lot of love yeah totally and it works fine but like it could be a lot better you know and you know i've been thinking a lot about that and this would be interesting to get the the thoughts from our our listeners especially those that have built some sort of CMS before, because there's a lot of apps that require some sort of editing interface. So MailChimp mm-hmm. has built their own drag and drop uh, editor for email newsletters. Uh, WordPress obviously just released a big update. They have this new Gutenberg editor that's kind of a, a block-based editor. Um, there's uh, The one I use for my personal site is called Statomic, and it mm-hmm. has a block-level uh, editor. And these are very difficult to build. There's companies that this is their entire focus is building right. making websites. And here we are, our, our primary <laughs> focus is podcasts. But as a part of that, we want to offer uh, basically a CMS as a part of that. It is tricky. And I, I wonder if there's a creative solution that we haven't thought of. Um, like, for example, we've talked about maybe you know, one one way to maybe make it easier is to use what Shopify has done with Liquid, and you know, we we could build ours on top of that. But that would still, I think, be quite a bit of work. Yeah, and Liquid Liquid would still require people to essentially write code, like mm-hmm. or not code, but like HTML, right? I mean, it's some code, and you you can loop through different logic blocks and have if statements and stuff within Liquid, but mm-hmm. that's not it's. It's good for a certain small subset of people, I think. Yeah. So yeah, there's a there's a balance of like I don't want to build some full featured CMS editor because that's really not our main focus. Like I think having a website available to you is a nice value add, but mm-hmm. if you really want to go highly customized, high highly customized website, like probably gonna want to use another solution. Another yeah. hosted solution. Um, 
you know, having us add in an API could certainly help with that. But yeah, well, and then there's ideas of like maybe we could form an official partnership with somebody like Card C A R R D dot Co. Right. Uh, you know, he already has a kind of simple. Uh, it's only a single page builder right now, similar to what we have, but it's definitely more flexible. And you know, we could maybe we could figure out a, a partnership with him where we use, uh, you know, we use that editor that becomes the transistor editor mm-hmm. uh, instead of building it all ourselves. Um, Fizzle, the membership site did a, a form of this where they, you know, all of their members needed WordPress sites. So they just created an official partnership with Flywheel. And so now all of their members get a Flywheel site for free included. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just trying to think of what are the, what are some maybe creative ways we can get around the CMS issue because it's such like it, it's also in terms of you and I being able to focus and build great software. It is the one piece that could easily get out of hand. Uh, yeah, and also, I mean, when you think about it, it's really. I don't think that many people listen to podcasts on the web and go to people like, mm-hmm. I don't want to totally disregard it, but like, are people really listening to podcasts on the web that often? Like the value of the website is nice in that you can, you know, you can have a central landing spot mm-hmm. uh, for your listeners and your audience, but like ultimately someone's probably going to end up subscribing through an app and listen that way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So how much, how much, you know, energy, time and energy do we want to spend like really letting people build that out into something amazing when mm-hmm. the energy can be spent, you know, improving analytics or coming up with some new feature that no one else has? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm kind of split on this one. On one hand, I'm completely with you uh, because I think the, you know, what we want to do better than anybody else is um, help people create compelling audio well actually help people take the compelling audio they've already created and get that out into the world help them connect to an audience with that audio help them build relationships with an audience and uh certainly you know right now most folks listen through podcast apps and so the things that the kind of tech we can we can uh, innovate on in that space. There's still lots of opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, <laughs> uh, we are really in the business of giving people what they want. And uh, you know, when I had my own podcast, the having to maintain a WordPress site for the podcast was such a pain. And right. one of the big reasons I switched to Simplecast originally was, oh, thank God they've got a built-in website. And we've certainly heard that from people as well. Like we, we actually, I, there's a few people that have had full blogs on WordPress that have canceled them hmm. and are just using our CMS now because That's it's surprising. It's just less hassle. It is. Yeah, it is less hassle. But like, did, did they use the blogging feature? I mean, did they probably not if they got rid of it? Yeah. I mean, their site was primarily a podcast, but so if I'm sure they're feeling like, oh, well, we're giving up a little bit here, 
because uh, we only get a home page and about page and then all of our episode pages. Yeah. But you know, they the the cost benefit, there's a simplicity benefit. If you're cross posting to WordPress, it's just a lot of extra time and overhead. Right. So I I I can understand why people want a website. Um I'm just recognizing that man that's it's such a hard problem and I've seen companies get really into the weeds on any kind of editor uh, forget about even just a C- full-blown CMS but any kind of editor Oh yeah I mean we, we we're seeing that now with the editor we have which is not terribly flexible it's the one that Basecamp uses in theirs they open source their editor and that's what we use but Mhm it's you know, it's customizable to a point, but it doesn't really handle copy and pasting very well into it. It doesn't handle markdown, and like some people want that. So, yeah, all of these features, I, you know, I've sort of related to my other struggles. It's like even choosing what to focus on. I mean, we have we've been using Clubhouse, and we mm-hmm. have this stuff organized, and that we obviously have stuff that is prioritized, <clears throat> but like thinking about what's next and what to focus on. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, could any one of these you can pick and improve. Yes. Yeah. Well, and uh, I think this is why the there's kind of this base camp philosophy of just giving things time to uh, sit for a while too. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the, the idea of exploring before you move. And uh, um, Ryan Singer talks about this. I'll I'll try to find the tweet, but he basically says, you know, that the hardest part of any decision isn't making the decision. The hardest part is the long exploration phase where you're in kind of the unknown and you're just climbing this mountain. It's it's like the metaphor is perfect. You're climbing this mountain and things are not yet clear. But then there comes a point where if you wait long enough, if you are, you know, instead of like, it's, it's very counterintuitive. Everyone else in the startup business is trying to hustle, hustle, hustle. But instead going, waiting and waiting, waiting till you have this perspective of, oh, now I know why we should move. Yep. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, but, that's the way. I mean, I, I try to approach decisions like that, but I think sometimes it's, you still get like, some point you enter this phase of like paralysis paralysis mm-hmm. of indecision <laughs> you're just like mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh so anyway that's where i'm at how are, <laughs> how are you doing <laughs> well that's good I, i'm glad we added this section because yeah. I, th- I think there's a lot of product people can identify with that and yeah the i i that is an interesting one because we can become overwhelmed by all these options and yeah Yeah, i mean we've had feedback and questions i think from listeners on twitter right where they're like they're asking about you know talk more about how you how you make decisions and how you choose what to work on next and Mm -hmm. i guess that's still an open-ended topic to some degree (laughs) yeah totally totally yeah uh and i think just it was interesting listening to you because i i felt the same way but then as you were talking i'm like I wonder if part of this is just we don't some of this is just you don't you haven't had time to work on things but in terms of like the next big steps what are those 
Um, with the CMS, for example, if that's stressing us out, yeah, I think one good response is we just don't know yet. Right. And to then be able to put that one to bed and say, okay, but uh, dynamic calls to action in show notes, for example, uh, that we're pretty certain about. And so it mm-hmm. makes sense to work, move forward on that one. But it's no sense getting stressed out, like allowing the CMS piece to add to our burden. Just be like, sure. Yeah. Let me quickly do a sponsor read and then I'll talk about what's going on with me. And then we'll get into the Spotify talk. Uh, Just want folks to check out podcastinsights.com. If you are interested in doing a podcast like John and I are doing, uh, sharing your company's journey, Maybe you are on the marketing team and your boss has said, hey, you need to get a podcast. Now, naturally, you're going to sign up for Transistor, but how do you then produce the podcast? Podcastinsights.com has a a course. It's a 10-day course. It's free, and you'll learn everything you need to know from, you know, what equipment you should get. He's got a whole shopping list for you, how to record and edit, how to write show notes, uh, how to publish and promote your show. All of these things that you need to learn, and he can teach them to you in 10 days instead of having to learn over years uh, like I had to. So go check it out, podcastinsights.com. Yeah, I think just quickly, uh, Monday morning therapy-wise, one thing I'm struggling with is just I'm still unsure about investment. And I feel like I really get yanked around on this one. Uh, Sorry, whether we should take investment. Right. I'm almost adamant 100% for sure that I don't want us to take venture capital. But what's made the decision more difficult lately are these new funds that have come out, Tiny Seed, Indie.VC, Earnest, all of whom are in the application process right now. Uh, we might have missed the Indie.VC window, I'm not sure. Okay. But you know, there's a little bit of even FOMO because the Slack groups I'm in, everyone's at asking who's applying for, you know, Tiny Seed, who's going to apply for Earnest. And, you know, on a day, you know, there's some days where you and I talk and you're saying, man, you know, it'd be great to focus more on this. And, um, you know, if there's no money in my bank account, I'm like, man, it'd be good to have some money in my bank account. Right. And those days I definitely feel more uh, pushed, more uh, open to investment. The right now, there's this other part of me that's still like, ah, the idea of, and and actually, maybe these are bad feelings to have. So (laughs) I'm sure I'll hear from some people out there about these. Uh, On one hand, so I've had talks with everybody like on the phone except for indie.vc. And, you know, I like Rob a lot, Rob Walling. I like uh, Tyler Tringas a lot. But they end up asking you these questions about your business. And maybe it's wrong of me to feel this way, but I just feel like, ugh, now I've got someone else asking me these questions, some of which are legitimate and good questions that I should wrestle with, but some of which already kind of feel like meddling. Oh, I see, yeah. Like the whole point of these funds are that they're not supposed to necessarily control you. Mm-hmm. or like meddle in the business necessarily and kind of let you run with it. But that, okay. 
I mean, there's some strong suggestions in, and 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 maybe it's just the way I'm interpreting it. Yeah, and maybe it's maybe it's because I'm insecure and I just don't want anyone criticizing our business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but I'm still on the fence about that stuff too. But I think along with the investment and the the you know runway to to sort of work on a thing full time. One of the bigger benefit or big benefits for me too is that list of potential advisors that comes along with it, right? Yeah. Which, you know, they probably will be sometimes brutally honest with you and not yeah. necessarily push you in one direction or tell you what to do, but um definitely give you some some advice that maybe you don't want to hear at times. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like I've been open to that in the past. I, I, but I'm also, I've also had bad experiences with advisors. I've been on startup, you know, a part of startups that had an advisor board. And, you know, we treated these advisors with a lot of respect and like they were kind of these wise gurus. And in retrospect, their advice was almost universally bad. And so I'm wrestling with that piece too. Uh, this idea of um, ultimately th- there's this tension because I think only you and I know the best about what we want to get out of this business. Mm-hmm. And only you and I know because we have this constant stream of customers talking to us. We are embedded in all sorts of conversations all sorts of observations about podcasting that other people don't see. And, you know, even today, I, I'll call out this example specifically. You know, I, I got this question on Twitter, which is completely valid. Uh, Hunter Walk, who's a venture capitalist, just had this article about how, um, you know, transcription is going to be the next big step in podcasting. And, you know, I had a bunch of people CC me in this, like, hey, are you thinking about adding trans, a transcription service. And um, these are valid questions. But the assumption is, oh, that must be easy. Like, look, Hunter's talking about it. Just implement it, and then you guys profit. And right. But what they don't know is I've had conversations with tons of people. You and I have been testing out transcription services. Right. Uh, I use a transcription service at least five times a week called Descript, who I think are the best in terms of automatic transcription. And uh, for, I've had conversations with Cortland Allen over at Indie Hackers. Uh, he, was, uh, he, he signed up for a service that had automated transcriptions and just disliked them so much that he switched to paying someone to hand transcribe them. Yeah. And that person quit. And then he tried another service that was $200 a month. And he's like, there's no way you folks are going to be able to offer this quality for $200 a month. They said they would. And then like a few months later, they closed down. So I, I, I know the pain that is involved in that one area. Right. Even, yeah, yeah. And so the idea of having um, outsiders, <laughs> outsiders suggest things, whether they are just people on Twitter or investors or advisors, on one hand, maybe they'll have a good idea that I haven't thought about. But there's this other part of me that's like, I don't think, like, in terms of the podcast industry specifically, I, what are you going to be able to offer that I'm not 
already seeing. Uh, how are you right. going to have a hot take that? And this is a little bit cynical. I again, I'm I, I'm just talking out feelings out loud. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I go back and forth on that too. The investment thing. I mean, it's it. For me, it's like it. It's more so around wanting to do this thing on our own, and feeling like there is a lot of momentum right now with it, and like mm-hmm. you know our revenue revenue is growing. Um, and that taking an investment would sort of almost be like selling out to some extent. <laughs> yeah. And being like, we need help. Yeah. But it's also maybe a fairly cynical take. I mean, it, if it if it's if that's the thing that gets us to possibly doing this full time, then yeah, that's not a bad thing. Totally, totally. Um. Anyway, we'll we'll keep ex- exploring those feelings. Uh, in the next five, 10 minutes, we are going to quickly talk about what we think about this Spotify deal. Uh, John Buddha, imagine tomorrow someone calls you up and says, hey, John, I love what you and Justin are doing with Transistor. Uh, I know somebody at whatever, Time Media Group, and they want to pay you $200 million for the company. What do you say? Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know that that's an inter- it's, it's sure. interesting. Sure, <laughs> uh, that's a lot of money. That is a I lot mean... of money. <clears throat> yeah. So Spotify. This is the synopsis. Spotify is supposedly in talks to buy Gimlet Media. Recode says the price is two hundred million. Nick Qua is it Qua? I got to figure that out. Uh, I don't know. He's from Hot Pod. He says a source is telling him two hundred thirty million. Uh, this is all kind of this has been coming for a while. Uh, Spotify last month renamed their app in the App Store. I'm not sure if you saw this. They were just not. called Spotify Music, but now it says Spotify Music and Podcasts. Uh, they've also they were um, already doing exclusive podcast deals. They reportedly paid Amy Schumer a million dollars to do an exclusive show on Spotify. Hmm. So. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it is interesting. I feel like the, yeah, the, well, the Amy Schumer show in particular is probably just a way to get people to sign up for Spotify, right? I mean, that's that's their goal is to get people to sign up and pay monthly. Because mm-hmm. that that show is, I would assume, only available on Spotify. That's right. Yeah, that would be an exclusive. And so, what are some of your takes on this? Uh, you, you were mentioning some people were like messaging you. What what kinds of things were they messaging you? Yeah, well, you know, along with you and a couple other people, it was like they would send me a link to this. It might have been Recode or somewhere else, but um, uh, they were like, "Oh, wow, this is you know that's a huge deal. Like, you guys should definitely go like go all in on Transistor and just like." Take you know, take some investment and just go all in and see where you can go with it because like podcasting is so hot right now or whatever. Mm-hmm. And part of me gets that, but the, my immediate thought was, um, I don't know, it, I don't know if you heard about this or if, if it's available in Canada, but there's a show on National Geographic TV. I want to say it's a it's a channel. Um, yeah, there's a National Geographic. TV, TV channel in the U.S. and you can stream it online. But they have a show called uh, Valley of the Boom, which is about the mid '90s, late to late mid to late '90s, like internet boom. It's basically like oh. a cross between a documentary and a TV show where they actually have interviews with like people that were involved in businesses then, mm-hmm. but also have 
actors playing out bits, you know, around the whole, like all the stuff that was happening in that, in that time period. So like the first thing that came to mind when a friend of mine messaged me and said that was like kind of in relation to that and how the Netscape IPO, I think it was in 95, Mm -hmm. like triggered this massive gold rush and just like in Silicon Valley and everywhere and people were moving there and just like getting investments for having just an idea. And I mean, that ultimately led to the whole dot-com bubble bursting and yeah, all this crazy stuff happening. And like, you know, I, I just, I, I'm wondering if that's where something like this deal is going to lead to mm-hmm. um, in that, I don't know, are there going to be a ton of deals for like these expensive, like highly high cost shows that are well produced, but, um, I don't know. I'm just like, is that the, is that the future of podcasting? Is that where it's going? Is like, yeah. Are media groups going to be bought up and shows being bought up and it's all going to end up in this walled garden of like Spotify podcasting or some other walled garden where you have to have Spotify listen to these shows. Mm -hmm. Um, cause like, yeah, yeah. Up to that point, I mean, it's been a very open infrastructure. There haven't really been, as far as I know, aside from Spotify, really many walled garden type shows where you couldn't listen to it elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they, there, there's multiple places that have tried. Um, okay. So uh, I, we could go one side. Patreon has lots of uh, exclusive shows if you if you support on Patreon. Uh, Breaker just released a. A similar thing where you can pay the the uh, podcaster directly and get a pod an exclusive stream. Anchor is doing that as well. Okay. Cast Castbox is doing that as well. Uh, Himalaya, which is a new app uh, from China, has lots of exclusive content. So I think an Audible had Audible Originals, which were um, private podcasts just for uh, people subscribers. Okay, cool. So. I I think there there's definitely people going this way, and Spotify clearly wants to be the Netflix. They want they want to be Netflix. They they've already tried video in the past. It didn't work out, but their model is let's be Netflix. And so that Amy Schumer deal is a good mm-hmm. example. They want to have yeah. exclusive content the same way that Netflix does, um, and in that sense, buying Gimlet makes a lot of sense. Uh, the, uh, my guess, and this is, I was talking about this on Twitter. My guess is that shows like reply all will stay free and ad supported. And remember if Spotify wants to, they already rehost every podcast feed on their platform. So right. if they want to use their dynamic ad engine that they're already using for music, they can do that on all of their Gimlet shows that they now would own but if they want to still distribute those shows outside of spotify and have you know a different ad server that's running all of those they can also do that so they've got some options here in terms of ads they can run run the ads inside of spotify and then as soon as you pay you get they just magically take those ads out of the podcasts right and then they can also for everyone else for all the all of the uh, the outsiders listening on Apple Podcasts or whatever, they would get mm-hmm. uh, either host red ads or dynamic ads or whatever they want to do. So they've got some options there uh, that seem to make sense. The other thing is 
you know, like the Gimlet has a lot of kind of Hollywood intellectual property now. We talked about this last show, Homecoming and everything else. Yeah. And if you want, if Spotify wants to, you know, they want to be the home for audio. So people are listening to music and then, oh, wait, Reply All's got a new episode. I'll listen to that. And then I'll go back to listening to music. The longer they can keep folks in the app, the better. That's what they want. Yeah. I personally will not be resubscribing and paying for Spotify until they spend some of their money on finally updating their app to sync music to your Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really, I, really annoying. I've been paying for iTunes again because that's the only way to put music on your watch and go running without a phone. Yeah. And they don't, I like, I don't understand it. Take a million dollars of that money and just like build an, I, an iWatch app. <laughs> just do it. Well, and actually, I, I maybe, and maybe we're the only ones talking about this. I, we've experienced what it's like to work with the Spotify back end. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's, I'd say there's a lot of problems there. It's not great. And I don't know if it's, if they're struggling between like allowing, because we're, we're signed up as an aggregator, right? So we can, we can push our, the shows that we host up to Spotify. Mm-hmm. But they also have this new platform where people can can submit their own shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if they're like, maybe they're rethinking that aggregator idea. Yeah. <laughs> and not putting much focus on it. it. And it would make sense in the beginning, right? Like, hey, everybody come host your shows with us. But... Yeah. I've, you know, and then we're going to build up a directory that competes with Apple iTunes directory. Yep. And then once we have a dominant position and Apple says, well, wait a second, we're not going to let you folks, uh, you know, uh, use our directory anymore or whatever. Um, I think only about 60%. Actually, sorry, I should clarify. Spotify is not using Apple's directory. So that's incorrect. People submit their shows directly to Spotify. About 60% of shows seem to be on there, I think. If they are able to build up their directory organically, like everyone wants to have their show on Spotify, and they could become the dominant, you know... The they direct, could, yeah. The directory is yeah. kind of the power. But like, you know, you know, we go weeks between hearing from our contact, I think, getting emails, and I think they're overwhelmed or something. Yeah. Well, uh, that's it, con- yeah. Our contact's yeah. on a new team now. We just got a, oh. a different contact, yeah. Oh, nice. So, uh, I, That said, like, I really do like the Spotify interface and its recommendations and its, like, ability to, to like, bubble up new music that you wouldn't have discovered otherwise, and I think Apple's music, the tools around that, like recommending, are not good at all. Yeah, it's just not good. It does seem that there's a couple jug- juggernauts uh, rising here. So Spotify yeah. has taken the number two spot. I'm interested to see what Apple does. We don't have time to talk about this, but to me, if I was Apple, I'd be very interested in acquiring Gimlet for the same reasons that Spotify wants it, but plus the idea of them building an all-you-can-eat streaming service tv movies podcasts and music i think the i think the problem with apple doing that and paying a bunch of money for for podcasting is that they don't make any money on it yeah <laughs> like, but i wonder you don't, if that, you don't have you I don't have to subscribe to apple music maybe yeah i i wonder if it's going to change because and i got some pushback on this on twitter but people don't realize how much 
Apple is investing right now in original content. They've signed deals with Spielberg, oh, tons. Oprah, Jennifer Aniston. It goes on and on and on. There's nowhere to watch it yet. And yeah. I mean, I, there's all kinds of rumors going around that they're going to release some cheaper Apple TV with whatever for this new service. Yeah. Well, and they've also put uh, iTunes now on Samsung TVs. So the old idea of you only being able to use iTunes and uh, even, I'm going to put it out there right now, Apple Podcasts on Apple devices, I, they've, they're already proving with their actions that they are going outside of that. And so I mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised if Apple is saying, wait a second, audio is now this big industry. We own most of that industry. 60% of listeners use Apple Podcasts. We have the podcast directory that everybody is using, like Overcast uses it, Pocket Cast uses it. We, yeah. we need to start monetizing this. And the yeah. way to do it is have one streaming service to rule them all. Chris, put some echoes on that when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. I mean, they're, they certainly seem to be moving more in into the streaming market and original content. Um, that said, their previous performance in that area doesn't really give me a lot of hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, Yeah. You're talking about the original content that was on Apple Music. Well, no, I think the, the content will be fine just because of who they're hiring, mm-hmm. but their ability to actually build services around it. Yeah. Like, like iTunes is a mess. Apple Music is not great. It's fine. Yeah. I just don't know how they manage that without making it confusing. I mean, they, they almost have to split it up into separate apps or something. I wouldn't be surprised if Apple comes out with a major update where this new streaming app is the center. Uh, it will either be central and you get everything from one app, or it, they will break it apart. So they'll have TV, movies, podcasts, audiobooks, music as mm-hmm. separate apps. But they will have a single strategy going forward. And I think we're seeing uh, kind of... Uh, three main juggernauts. We've got Netflix with movies and TV. We've got Spotify with audio. And Apple is going to try to take them both on. And remember that what happens in podcasting, podcasting is not a silo. Podcasting IP is going over to TV and movies. TV and movies IP, like Conan O'Brien, is going over to podcasts. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, everything is going everywhere. And so there's going to be an opportunity there if they want it. And uh, I, I'm i not sure how I feel about it, if it's going to be good for podcasting or not good for podcasting. Uh, yeah. But I do no. know that if, if Apple came along and said, listen, you can get all the same shows, except for Netflix and originals, but you can get you know all the same shows and movies that you would get with Netflix. You can get Apple Music... Uh, which we already subscribe to. You can get audiobooks. You can get um, premium podcasts. You can get everything in one service. You don't have to pay uh, a bunch of services. That might that might convince yeah. us to move over. Um, and there's something there, or at the very least, get buy that and keep Netflix. But then mm-hmm. we're done, right? Like no Hulu, no. Nothing else. I think it's yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's good or not. This whole deal for podcasting. I'm, my only concern is that it it ends up like somehow crashing the market <laughs> because mm-hmm. people get 
go get like too money crazy about it. Yeah. Um, I, but the, I guess we'll see. And the advantage that we have is, it is it's based on RSS. Uh, tons of right. venture capitalists do not like the fact that it's based on RSS, by the way. that That's a common criticism. But I just look at blogging. The There are tons of blogs that became TV shows and movies. Uh, and there's tons of Twitter uh, accounts that became TVs and movies and books. And so, uh, but blogging has kept its uh, open platform. There's not one platform to, to rule them all. And yeah. to me, blogging is doing just fine. And I think podcasting as an open standard will do just fine. I think there will be paywalls, just like there are in blogging. Exclusive content, you know, on the New York Times and all that. I, I think that will continue to exist. Uh, and I, that doesn't scare me as much because, um, you know, I think there's, there's room for that as well. I think overall, this seems, this is just another deal. And I, I, I don't think it actually affects you and I that much. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, it, I think, well, like we've said in the past, like the, the podcast market is still really small. Mm-hmm. It's popular. I mean, it's, you know, most people know about it, but it's still a pretty small market. Yeah. Where, where it could affect us is more attention on audio does improve our business. So the more people that hear about it, the more people that get an interest in it, uh, the more you know, young kids that might listen to a podcast for the first time on Spotify and then say, oh, I want to do that when I grow up. Those are all very good things for uh, you know, businesses like ours. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think there's something there. And we'll just have to leave it there, folks. We'll, I think we'll see where it goes, yeah. We'll see where it goes. Um, John, why don't you thank our patrons on Patreon.com? All righty. So first up, we have Colin Gray from EliteU.com, as we mentioned earlier. Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Kevin Markham, Sammy Shuckert. Shuckert? I, was, I don't know if I do that right. <laughs> Dan Erickson, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta, podcastinsights.com. So thanks to everyone who's supporting us, uh, keeping the show going. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you can find all the show notes for the show, sas.transistor.fm slash 44. And yeah, we'll see you next time we record an episode. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.